0: this podcast is a ministry of grand parkway baptist church for more information on our church please visit grandparkway.org
1: how are we doing today you good i want to talk to you we're we're finishing a three-part series where we've been talking about our core values a couple weeks ago which our core values are simply intimacy with god community, uh, with others. And now today I'll talk about ministry that matters ministry that matters. And you say, what do you mean when you say ministry that matters? Well, let me just say it like this. The church can do a lot of things that really don't, aren't going to matter in eternity. When you get to the promised land, you'll look back and you kind of go, why did we do that? Okay. And so we want to be a part we're not a perfect church. If we were, I couldn't be the pastor. Amen. I heard that over there. Uh, somebody went, uh huh. Uh, by the way, because I spilled coffee on myself between the services. See, cause I'm not, now am I not perfect? I'm not coordinated. Uh, you ever get, you ever get your clothes in the cleaner and you think, I'm gonna get two or three wearings out of that before I have to take it back? Broke the little purple tab off of this morning. Spilled coffee on it two hours later. Anyway, uh, when we talk about ministry that matters. We just want to be a part of, of of doing and being something that's going to matter, not just in this life but in the life to come. Jesus talks about that, and he give us some, some kind of some fixed points to orient ourselves around. Luke chapter ten, verse one. After this, the Lord appointed seventy two others and sent them on ahead of Him, two by two, into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And He said to them, "The harvest this is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. When we talk about ministry that matters, there's basically three things that Jesus kind of says, hey, it involves this, it involves evangelism, it involves kingdom, and it involves joy. I want to talk to you briefly about those three things this morning. Number one, evangelism. What do we mean when we say evangelism? For us here at Grand Parkway, evangelism is the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus. If all we do is tell people about Jesus, but we don't demonstrate, we don't do the things that Jesus would do, then our evangelism and our sharing the gospel or our whatever you call it, it has no meaning in people's lives because they want to see that this has been affected. This has kind of somehow changed who we are and how we operate, how we spend money, how we spend our spare time and what we do. There's three things I don't want you to miss that I think kind of you kind of hang flesh on. First thing is, is that they're sent. They're sent. You and I are sent. Look at verse two, what Jesus says to them. He says, and he sent them and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Then he says, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Let me just stop right there. When he says, behold, what he's basically saying is, hey, don't miss this. Look, I understand the context into which I'm sending you. He says, check it out, guys. Here's the deal. I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. And you gotta, those 72 people standing there, those 72 guys were probably like, well, no, no, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for, do you have dental insurance? Hang on. What? What? We're, see, see, here's what makes Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, bearable, is that you're sent there. He says, I'm sending you out. And by the way, I'm sending you out as lambs among the wolves. He understood that. Have you have any idea in your mind what wolves do to lambs? You say, well, why would he do that? Because when he sends you, he goes with you. That's why he would do that. And so here's the reality, beloved, you're going to find yourself and I'm going to find myself in circumstances that don't feel good, that don't feel stimulating, that aren't always kind of, uh, that doesn't mean that God's not there. Matter of fact, when I first became, well, I was a Christian, uh, the first four or five years I was a Christian, I was trying to find a church that I thought just takes the Bible seriously. And it was so hard because the church growth thing, had just started and everyone was just kind of going, hey, we're going to, I remember going to a church and 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 the doors opened up back here and like 10 people, five from that side and five from that side. And they all had on black slacks and black skirts and jewel tone tops and microphones. And they say, oh, and they had hand motions. And it was choreographed. And then someone back up, and someone would step up and talk a little bit, and they'd do their little thing. And they'd step back, and I was just kind of like, you know, listen, when the transmission dropped out of my car on the side of the road, no one was standing there going with hand motions. And now you are up the creek without a paddle. You cannot afford this. And I remember having deep thoughts as a young Christian, like Why does the church not seem to understand what real life is like? You guys are inviting me into that. That's not real. No one has it that all together. I can't even drink without spilling it on myself. This is like Ken and Barbie up here. And then it dawned on me. And I realized something this past week. I was reading and I read a man named Richard Stearns, by the way, wrote a book called The Hole in Our Gospel that everyone should read. Great book. But I, read, well, I wasn't reading this book. I was reading this article that he, that he had written, and they were interviewing him. And by the way, Richard Stearns, he was a CEO of Linux China, and he left that to become the president of World Vision. And so they were asking about the church, and I thought he had a great quote I want to share it with. He said, the predicament of the American church is that we live in a kind of magic kingdom, like going to Disneyland. You buy your ticket, and once you're inside the gates, everything you experience is controlled. The rides, the food, the shows are all there to entertain and amuse you. All you have to do is be there and observe. As Christians, we too are tempted to see our world that way. We start thinking that our job is to invite a few fortunate others into the theme park away from the troubles outside. But our job isn't to increase the attendance at Disneyland. It is to tear down the walls and transform the world outside. And Jesus so believed that he looked at these 72 and said, I'm sending you out because I do not believe your mission is to increase the attendance at Disneyland. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. And those wacko people were like rock and roll sign me up see being sent knowing that you are somewhere and it's god's idea is a great place to be here's the second reason why because not only are you sent see see evangelism doing the gospel is not just i'm 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 here and it's not my idea but secondly i'm provided for look at verse four he says carry no money bag no knapsack no sandals and greet no one on the road you ever read things in the Bible and think, I don't know what they mean. No money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. I don't know. what And I could go into all that and tell you, well, the biblical background for that is blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'd rather do, men. Men, it would be like you going home and, and telling your wife, we're going on a vacation next week. We're going to Cancun for a week. And I don't want you to pack anything. You don't need makeup. You don't need anything. Just come on. Let's go. Now, I don't know what it's like in your house. But if I told my kids, like right now, we go to my in-laws every December for a week after Christmas. I hang out. I fix stuff. I joke around a lot about it. But it's so cathartic for me. I just love it. But if I mean, my wife and kids start packing three weeks before we leave and my kids pack their whole they pack stuffed animals. I'm like, no, no, we don't need those. We don't need them. I've got to have these. Madison, you're 14. You don't need those anymore. <laughs> but they just come up the hallway with wheeled suitcases. Okay, it takes a day to get there and a day to come back. We're there three days. And they got wheeled suitcases full of stuff. And I'm like, and my wife's like, oh, babe, it's no big deal. You ain't got to load it and unload it. It's a big deal. And so this next time we go out of town, I'm going to tell them, take nothing for your journey. No knapsack, no money bag. No. Can you imagine how much confidence your wife would not have in you if you start driving to the airport? And she said, where are the tickets? Tickets? We don't need those thinking tickets. I put the tickets where I keep the badges. That's where they are. She'd be like, are you crazy? Are we going to drive? No. Nah. Well, How much? I mean, we need to fill up. I ain't got no money. I mean, she would be on the side of the road beating you with an umbrella. <laughs> I mean, if I just told my kid, hey, we're not packing anything. i would be like, Dad, dude, we're not going. Here's what makes it bearable. Don't miss this. Jesus said, hey, don't pack anything. Basically, what he's saying is, I got this. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the God who provides. Unless you go where I tell you to do and do what I tell you to do when you get there, how else are you going to know what I'm capable of? See, there's a real sufficient Jesus just beyond the realm of what you think is possible. Real sufficient Jesus out there. Third thing, Jesus says to these people. See, evangelism is not just hanging stuff on people's door, or giving them little booklets. Third thing, he says you're representatives. Look, look, just you say, well, what do you mean? Two things I want you to see. First of all, look at verse 2. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, circle this little word, his harvest. It's not my harvest. I don't have to try to make something happen. I don't have to get in conversations with an agenda and think, okay, well, I'm going to say this, and then they're going to say that. And then I'm going to just kind of, no. God's in charge of this whole enterprise. You say, well, I don't know what you mean. Look at verse 16. Sink your teeth into this. Verse 16, look at right there in the Bible in Luke 10. The one who hears you hears me. No pressure there. Is this in red in your Bible? Jesus says, listen, I so trust you to represent me that whoever hears you, hears me. So use as much profanity as you think I would use. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Do you hear that? We don't hit a speed bump up in here. <clears throat> Please hold on to the bar. The ride is about to depart. Hey, tell as many off-color jokes tomorrow at work as you think Jesus would tell. Because when people hear you, they hear him. No pressure. See, when people, some of y'all are kind of like, do you just go around having awkward conversations with people? No. Now, I had a conversation a while back with a girl at the Starbucks, not far from here, that way, next to a major highway, a couple of doors down from Chile, an AT&T store. It's kind of that general vicinity. Uh, and basically, we got, I, I was reading or something in there, and, and she started asking me questions, the barista, as they're called, uh, and, and and we just got talking and, and I said, I'm thinking, OK, God, I, I don't I don't have like a like a glossary of terms. What am I going to say? Hey, if you come to the point, and you know, for sure, if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven. And if you did and you stood before God and God said, why should I let you in? What, what would you tell him? You really think God's that stupid? It's like, God, oh, you're here. I wasn't expecting you. Uh, why should I let you in? You're going to huff and puff and blow the door down. My name is Manika You killed my father. Prepare to die. What? what? I mean, we make it sound like it's that willy-nilly, like, well, if you snuck up on Jesus. But instead, look at this. Here, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. Don't miss this, okay? It's not you and I have got to stop waiting for permission from the world to let the kingdom come out. You, you, you can't just wait. Why? Wow. He says in verse 16, because l- l- hear this, beloved. You come from a long line of authority. You are descendants of authority. You're not people of permission. Verse 16, he says, the one who hears you, hears me. And you think, wow. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. So you can, because you represent him, you can be rejected. I mean, I've been told where to go in more languages than I'll ever speak. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. See, there's you, and behind you there's Jesus. Behind Jesus is, is Father God. That's a law. You're descendants of authority. Stop waiting on permission. Why? Because you're his representatives. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. And by the way, don't take anything for your journey. We're going on a seven-day carnival cruise, so hopefully they won't hit rocks this time, okay? But don't pack makeup. And by the way, tell your wife, we're going to take a family portrait on the vacation too where you don't have any luggage or makeup. You just watch on like, <sighs> Here's the point. There are things in the Bible that when you really understand them, they sound crazy. But what makes it possible? He sent you. So I'm standing up there in a Starbucks, and the lady's like, well, you don't know. I mean, I, did, I just gave on church a long time. ago. I mean, I just uh, uh, and I just said, I, hey, I don't want to hear all this. We ain't got to get into this. Let me just tell you something. There's nothing that you've done that God cannot and will not forgive. That's all you need to know today. And all the other baristas, which is a great name. I want to change my title from lead pastor to lead barista. It sounds sexy and exotic and Italian. So that's my new title. You call me the lead barista. She said, what, what, Some of the girls like, well, you don't know what she's done. I said, I don't know what she's done. I ain't gotta know what she's done. Y'all are all squawking about. You're judging her. You're judging her. I can't judge her. I don't want to judge her. And I don't know what she's done. That's right. So how can you say that you know there's nothing she's done that God wouldn't forgive? I don't have to know what she's done. I just have to know God. And good news today, I do. See, that's circumstantial. What I'm talking about is certain. Thank you. I gotta get the drive through. I gotta get back to her. Oh, give me the headphone. Let me work the drive-through. No. Okay. I'm available. Just want you to know that. Second thing Jesus says, he says, number one, ministry that matters is about evangelism. By the way, uh, Galatians, don't turn to Galatians 5, 6. Paul says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. If your faith doesn't tangibly express itself in love, you don't have faith. You just have a bunch of tradition. You have the religious habit of doing the same thing every Sunday. That's your tradition. But faith that expresses itself through love, that's Christianity. And that's the only thing that matters. Second thing Jesus says, he says it's about the kingdom. Look at verse 9. I told y'all, I didn't get to preach to you last week. You're going to get it this week. Verse 9, look what he says. He says, this is... Waco, he says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God of God has come near to you. look at me, beloved translation. Jesus says, here's the only thing that's going to explain what just happened. You just healed the sick. Don't don't start selling green prosperity handkerchiefs on TV late at night. Don't sell some kooky miracle spring water like those goofballs on TV that make everybody think we're crazy. No, you just smile. Look, it's in quotes. He expects you to say it. Is it not in quotes in your Bible? After verse 9, he says, heal the sick in it and say to them, quote, the kingdom of God has come to you, end quote. Is it not in quotes in your Bible? Have you ever seen anybody get that excited about quotes in your life? Y'all are like, please, Hammer, don't hurt us. It's in quotes because he expects you to say it. He expects you to do and say some things that can only be explained by saying, hey, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town, they do not receive you. Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, (laughs) when they don't receive you. Guess what? Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, why does Jesus say that? Jesus says will be more bearable for Sodom. Y'all are like, yeah, get them. By the way, Sodom wasn't destroyed because of homosexuality. They were destroyed because they were not hospitable. That's why, if you read it in the Bible. I promise you it's in there. That's why Jesus, then he lists all these other towns. You kind of It's like Jesus goes like, like Neil, he just goes off on some rabbit trail. You're like, is he coming back to that Starbucks? What happened? I need closure. Jesus starts talking about all these cities because he says, verse 13, Woe to you, Corazine! Woe to you, say. What he's saying is, hey, hey, Sodom, it wasn't, I mean, homosexuality was a sin and that was part, but hey, they were not hospitable. They didn't receive the kingdom when it came. Let me tell you something, beloved. It's only going to get more and more and more costly to not receive the kingdom. So if they receive you and if you, 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 you pray and, and you heal the sick, and you say, hey, no cookie for me. The kingdom of God has come near to you. If they don't receive you say, OK, but the kingdom of God came near to you. And like these other yahoos in these other towns, you didn't get it either. Then Jesus goes on. But let me just say two things you got to understand about the kingdom. Number one. You've got to notice that the kingdom of God is unaffected by. It. It's not determined by or limited because of people's response. The kingdom of God is so indestructible. Jesus let little kids play with it. You just, what are they going to do, break it? Now you're probably thinking, uh, what is the kingdom? Great question. That's the second thing I want you to know. We need to understand what Jesus means when he talks about the kingdom. And and, and here's the definition we use for that. The kingdom of God is the realm within which what God wants done gets done. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's not going outside and trying to catch clouds. It's just standing in the rain and getting soaking wet and living your life so as you've got to explain to somebody where you've been and how you got this way. Okay? Okay? And by the way, let me give you some application that I want you to, because people, every once in a while, people say, well, pastor, I, uh, that was a great sermon, but I wish you would give me some application so I'd know what to do with it. I don't do application a whole lot because that's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And I don't think the Holy Spirit tells 500 people to do the same thing every Sunday. Like sometimes when I'm preaching to you, the Holy Spirit says to me, hey, fathead, you go home and mow your neighbor Jerry's yard. He's got throat cancer, Okay. And he's going to try to mow his yard this week. And you're not going to go ask him. You're just going to go do it. Because I told you. Well, Lord, I don't want to rob him of the privilege of mowing his yard. (laughs) Because the longer you're a Christian, the more you can justify doing nothing. That's jacked up. And God's like, you want me to pull the world over and whip you right here? No, please, hammer, don't hurt me. I got it. I got it. When I say the key, so here's the application, okay? Do something between now and next Sunday that can only be explained by you saying to the person you did it two or four, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Fair enough. And I, I, I want to introduce a friend of mine. I have a prayer request. So I'm going to ask him, Isaac, would you come up here? Because I want you to join me in praying for this prayer request. This is my friend Isaac. Because, uh, by the way, at this point in the first service, my friend Alton, who some people call Gator, we gave Alton uh, a, a Ford Explorer sport track vehicle because he needed the vehicle. And my friend Isaac here needs a vehicle. Isaac, come up here just for a second. Y'all say hi to Isaac. Come here, buddy. Here, this is yours. Hold up like, like you're eating an ice cream cone and talking. To, come over here in the light, you good-looking devil, you. Now, now, how long have you been coming to this church?
0: Since September.
1: Since September. And uh, you don't know this about Isaac, but Isaac lives about 40 minutes from here, 45 minutes from here, something like that. And so some of you cry, baby, it's 15 minutes. Suck it up. You've been in America too long. But here's what you don't know. Isaac has a job we're working for a commercial air conditioning company don't you isaac yes yes you do and so isaac gets up every day and has to ride the bus because he doesn't have a vehicle and how long do you ride the bus every day round trip to work and back home how long does it take uh,
0: between four and six hours have
1: you ridden a city bus lately that's has to make a bunch of stops to downtown and then you got to catch it out to northwest houston Well, Isaac and I have been praying because tell them the story about your mom and the guy that gave them the car. They don't know this. See, they just come to drink my coffee and sit on my chairs, Isaac. They don't understand what a beautiful soul you are. So tell them what happened to your mom when you were a little kid.
0: When I was a little boy, my mother was a widow. Uh, She never remarried. And we lived in the country probably 30, 40 miles from from our church. She had a, a little Toyota station wagon, and we had—that was the only form of transportation we had on our little farm. And I remember our station wagon; the transmission went out. And take your time. My mother always informed me and put me in the know of what God does by showing me how He works. She prayed and asked me to join her, which I didn't have much to say. I was a little boy. And the neighbor man who hated me because I rode my bicycle past his house all the time, and I don't think he liked kids, period. I don't think he liked my mother either because she was a widow. But he came down and gave her a car that next week. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this. (laughs) I know I have to do it. And it took three days. I
1: know what God does. He's done it for all of us. And so Isaac and I have been talking, and we've been praying. And I told these people, Isaac, I said, here's the application. Here's where you put feet on the sermon. Uh, is it do something in the next seven days, between now and next Sunday, uh, you're going to be explained by saying, hey, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So you don't know, but the kind of people you go to church with, I sent out an email a while back and said, or just a week ago, and said, hey, you know, I, I, our friend Alton needs a vehicle. And they're like, hey, mother. I said, pray about whatever you want to give, and we'll all just pony up some money. And so the first service, we gave Alton a little Ford Explorer sport track vehicle and said, Alton, there you go, buddy. But what Isaac doesn't know is Isaac thinks he's up here sharing a prayer request. I want you to look up on the screen up here, Isaac, because this today the kingdom of God has come to you. You. That's yours. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, listen. That that is a I think it's a two thousand two PT cruiser. It's got a sunroof so you can tip that lid when you're rolling to work. You can bump that system, a little old school, LL Cool J or something. Uh, uh, but but uh, we wanted to give it to you today, but it's coming from Dallas and it won't be here till tomorrow. And so it'll be waiting for you for next Sunday, or I'll drive it over to your place. You don't have to ride that stinking city bus. Uh, and here's what we'll do we did the same thing for Alton because this church is so full of generous people. And we just, we don't want to talk. We want to do, we want to be able to say, hey, today the kingdom of God has come near to you, and people will not go, huh? We're we're gonna we'll pay the first six months liability insurance policy on it. Uh, we'll get it all checked out, but it's great. It's been well maintained. We got maintenance records. And if that doesn't work, and you need like a truck, let me know, and we'll get a truck. Because listen, my dad owns a cattle on a thousand heels, and whenever I need something, he sells a cow and just sends me the money. And so, when you were riding, when you were riding your bike as a little kid, God knew this day would come. And he knew you'd be a part of this church. And we talk about ministry that matters. And because you matter to us, we're going to help you. And so we'll be you. It'll be here tomorrow. We'll get all the paperwork done and you'll have you some wheels. Thank you. You're welcome. Bless you. That's Love great. you. Here you go. Now, by the way, there's your, there's your Bible community up there on the rail. Go back to class. <laughs> Be warmed and filled. May you have cattle on all your heels. Now, I got a question for you. I'm just about done. We've been here long enough. Doesn't that just make you want to clog? I mean, don't you just, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't you just, and that's the thing. You say, well, why, 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 why do you say that? That's what Jesus said. Look at this and we'll be done. Look at verse 17. See, the third part of the, when the kingdom comes, it's always joy. That's why, y'all to know, somebody stopped me in the first service and said, Hey, I got your email. I, what are we, what are we doing? You, uh, just wait. Just wait. Whoa, what? Is it going to be good or bad? It's always good when the kingdom comes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it smells like Galilee in here right now. Look at verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. Of course they returned with joy. Isaac returned to his class now with joy. Riding the stinking bus saying, Lord, even the demons are sub- subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You hear what just happened? I mean, they came back because God's people have an innate ability to rejoice about the wrong thing. The 72 came back and said, oh, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, huh, checkmate. I saw Satan falling like lightning from the heavens. All right, you win. <clears throat> Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't miss this. I'm just about done. He's saying, hey, what you're looking for cannot be found in your experiences. Un- Church in America, unplug the lights and the lasers and the smoke machines and all that stuff and just get back to the kingdom. Get back to doing and being and saying things that can only be explained by saying, "Hey, hey, the kingdom of God today, the kingdom of God came near you. They and they, they said, well, you know, and they, that wasn't enough. So Jesus went on and said, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, circle that word, underline it in red. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And, see, and here's, here's all I want to say. A continual rediscovery of the amazing nature of God's grace is the fuel for the Christian life. Let me say that again. A continual read, never outgrow the gospel. Never outgrow the gospel. You say, Why? Well, I say things here and, and my fear is that some things I say, y'all think, oh, he's being funny or he's just being overstated or whatever. No, I'm not. Like One of the things that I say that y'all send me emails and go, oh, pastor, you shouldn't say that. And I write you back every time and say, I'm not going to stop. Not because I'm stubborn, but here's the thing that bothers some of you because you are committed to being glory robbers and taking some credit for your salvation. But I tell you all the time, and I haven't told you at least three Sundays, so let me tell you again, that myself and all of you should be burning in hell right now. Just by nature, you are born that crooked and by choice that depraved. But, and this is what I mean when I say a continual rediscovery of the amazing nature of God's grace is the fuel for the Christian life. And, And unless you embrace that, You'll never be passionate about the gospel. Here's why. Nobody is passionate about a gospel that holds no wonder. That it's just information. Well, I prayed a prayer when I was 12. And Come on, dude, shut up. It's 12.06. Let's go eat. I could suggest to some of you that you've been eating your whole life and you still had not tasted how good this is is to continually rediscover the amazing nature of God's grace. That's the fuel. That's the well that never runs dry. That's the spring of life, welling up to eternal life inside of you. And so this morning, when I got up, I just meditated on Isaac Watts. Anybody know who Isaac Watts is? He's a great hymn writer, wrote great hymns. One of the ones he sang, he wrote, is entitled, No More My God. And so this morning when I was shaving, I was just singing in the mirror. No more, my God, I boast no more of all the duties I have done. I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of thy son. What that means in old English, Isaac Watts, 1700 and something, is that there's nothing, God, that I can do that can make me right with you. The only answer to unrighteousness is righteousness. And so he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I was shaving. I was just singing. I quit the hopes I held before and trust the merits of thy son. No more, my God. No more, my God. No more, my God. I boast no more. You say, well, I'm not a singer. I don't get that. Neither am I. Aren't you glad? Maybe this will help you. Charles Spurgeon, the old English preacher, he said this If there be one stitch in the celestial garment of our righteousness, which we are to insert ourselves, then we are lost. That's sobering, beloved. If there's one stitch, one stitch that you can point to, what he's saying, don't miss this, and you can point to it and say, I did that. That ain't the gospel. And you say, well, you know, I don't know what you're saying. Are you one of those? No, I'm just a man that wants to just continually rediscover the amazing nature of God's grace. as fuel for the Christian life. And so this week, see, it, 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 there's, a, there's a plentitude of sources. This week, American Idol, come on. I don't like to watch people sing. I did that at youth camp all the time. It's called a talent show. Are you kidding me? I don't want to go back to that. But... They get there and my wife was recording it because her and, and we watch. And I don't mind. It's not like I'm a spiritual person because I don't watch it and they're in spiritual because they do. My wife has a woman crush on Steven Tyler, so she watches it. And she says this. This is what she says. I'm praying for him. Whatever, lady. Pull this flag and place. Jingle Bells. He's like a little midget, by the way. He's like five foot three. Like a little nymph fly. You could bait him and fly fish with him. And he wears feathered earrings. And they tell the story. And they go along there. And it started off with some guy from Houston. They were in Houston, by the way. There's some crazy people in our city. Oh, man. And they got to the very end and some kid walked in that was born without ears. Anybody see this? And I just found myself, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't go. I felt just welling up in me. And they said, what do you doing? He goes, I'm a worship leader. And I was like, brace yourself. I, do, I went right to Lamaze breathing. Because we're fixing to give birth to the kingdom out right here. Because Steven Tyler doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. He's a good guy. And, and he can sing, dream on, dream on. And people like my wife think that's awesome. Pray for her. I got the broom, went in our bedroom, dream on. She's like, no, no, shut up, shut up, shut up now. Went to the hospital, They make a visit, I hit the button, loving an elevator. No, 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 shut up. Until so the worship leader who was born without ears, but God made doctors so small, so smart. He sent them to medical school, not so they'd have a God complex and think, I'm so awesome. I can have three houses and six cars and not and, and know what to do with them. So I build racks and I park them on top of each other. Pfft. Are you kidding me? And so they rebuilt this kid ears. He did not even sang yet. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm simultaneously crying and getting ready to clog. <laughs> and he sang. Anybody remember what he sang? Amazing. He sang Amazing Grace. And they cut the camera, to Stephen Tyler. And when that kid sang, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Stephen Tyler pursed his lips almost like, oh, I wish I knew what that felt like. And I just burst into tears. And he just just lost. He doesn't know Jesus. And people just use him to enjoy him. And he's a celebrity. and He's a great guy. And he's made in the image of God. And he wears spandex. (laughs) And I just cried. And Sophie was sitting on the couch beside me, kind of like glancing over, like, well, <clears throat> my dad's leaking again. <laughs> and I, I, it wasn't like it's was a few. I mean, I had to get up and go to the kitchen because I didn't want her to think, well, why is my dad crying? What, what's going on here? Are the Mayans coming to get us? <sighs> and here's why. Not just because. Here, here's why I cry. And then I'm done. Listen to me. Don't miss this. I didn't just cry because Steven Tyler it's not been revealed to him yet. I cried because it was revealed to me. And the thought went through my and I tried to say out loud, what did I do to deserve this? But I know nothing, not a stitch in my celestial garment. When I get there, when I look at it and go, what about that? I ran a running whip stitch on that bad boy. How about that? And so when I shave tomorrow, I'll sing, no more, my God. I boast no more of all the duties I have done. I quit the hopes I had before to trust the merits of thy son. What is Isaac Watts saying? He is saying that you can't get there on your own. You got to trust that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient for all your sin and put all your trust in him. That's why Jesus says, when you rejoice, rejoice about this. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's not an experience that you can have that triumphs over that, that ever going to trump that. Don't go today and go, hey, our church gave away a couple cars. We're supposed to help people. We don't get a cookie for that. If we can build a brand new youth building and after that a children's building and we can't help people in our own church, some of you are going to hell. Thank you for coming today. And by the way, I'll be driving the golf cart shuttle. I'll be the first one in line because I'm your pastor. You're not the church if all you do is stuff for yourself. That's why we go to India. And that's why we'll be rolling out an idea about adopting orphans in India in in, in the weeks to come. And that's why we go to Costa Rica. But it's also why we go to lunch today. Your names are written in heaven. That's what you rejoice about. And if your name's not written in heaven, ask yourself today, why wouldn't I want to know this guy that takes broken people like that over-caffeinated loser and makes them into something that maybe makes the Bible make sense? And God, he does that. And so when our service is over, myself and some of our pastors and elders be available down front. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, we'd love to explain to you how how easy that is for you to start today. Why? Because you could just you, you, you haven't outsend the grace of God. You don't have to be perfect or or a certain type of person or have this or have that. You just got to understand, you know what? I have screwed my life up, but the gospel is that Christ died as an atoning sacrifice for my sin. It's payment. That's what I mean when I say continual rediscovery of the amazing nature of God's grace is the fuel for the Christian life. Sitting on my couch watching American Idol, the Holy Spirit says you could be just like him. You could appreciate the musicality of what just happened and not ever have tasted of grace. So I went in the kitchen where my wife has these micro something pampered chef towels that I bought her for her birthday because I'm a big spender. And I folded one up and just put my face in it and stood there in the dark. So I didn't want to scare my eight year old. It's like My dad is crazy. Because I was just reminded a fresh and anew, you, you you didn't have to do any of this. And yet you did it all. And that's fuel. Staff came in. I came in this morning, the staff was like, Whoa, you are Yeah, my wife's like, Won't well, you and your personalities go have a picnic and get it figured out? <laughs> and then just find happy Neil and bring him back. <laughs> hey. Don't rejoice over the wrong thing. Rejoice today that your names are written in heaven. And if they aren't yet, they can be today. Stand to your feet. We've been here long enough. Hold your hands out. You are descendants of authority. Therefore, stop waiting for permission. It's not your native environment. One of them, God gives you. The other one, man gives you. Make sure you live in light of the right one. Depart now and live such lives as can only be explained by the coming of the kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.